Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine eating your dog. Kind of one of those things, unless you've had one or have one, doesn't really drive home or make an impact, right? But the second you've had one, or maybe you have one, man, that gets heavy, doesn't it? I was thinking about it last night. Sitting there on the couch, watching my two sons roll around on the floor with our new puppy. Puppy's doing fine. Thank you, everybody, for asking. Wife gets down there. Dog starts licking her face. Everybody's happy. And because I have, well, a mind that is not totally working properly, I got to thinking, man, those poor saps in Paris had to eat their dogs. But before we get there, Let's do a little brief setup here. Germany. The idea of Germany. Remember, Germany is very, very, very new as far as being a unified nation like you know it now. France, not so new. We are in the 1800s now. Let's go back to the 1800s. This is the time frame we're in. And I'm going to... I'm going to say the word Prussia a lot, and here's what you need to understand. Prussia was a part, the biggest part, the strongest part, whatever you want to, however you want to classify it. Prussia was one of several, I mean, it was its own country, but I'm going to, for the simplification purposes, call it states. There were these German states, and they were all German in heritage but they weren't a unified Germany yet. And Otto von Bismarck, you're going to hear me say the word Bismarck a lot. He was this Prussian dude, extremely politically savvy, which we're going to get to. And he had visions, as many did, of going ahead and unifying Germany. But that's quite a process. I mean, shoot, you're seeing it go the other way right now, but it's quite a process. Unification takes time. It takes time to de-unify. It takes time to dissolve. Things don't tend to just all of a sudden happen. It takes time, and it's bloody lots of the time. You see... There were all these divisions, these German states. You had the northern German states and Prussia and southern German states, and you had these these different areas. And these people want this thing, and these guys don't want this thing. Well, these guys want this form of government. Well, we don't want that form of government. Well, I'll join, but I don't like those guys over there. Well, I don't. You see, it's complicated. And Bismarck's working on all that, and a bunch of people are working on that, on all that, and they're getting frustrated, but they're gaining ground here. They're gaining ground. And now they're having to do things like fight wars over it. But when I say fight wars over it, you need to understand this. Prussia was kicking butt and taking names because Prussia planned. Prussia planned ahead. 
They didn't just wake up one day and be all, oh, man. Uh, I think we're going to go to war. Do we have any guns? They organized their entire economy around warfare. Oh, no. With the flip of a light switch, we're churning out cannons and ammo and rifles. They were working on tactics. They were the, now this is way too extreme of an example, they were the Sparta in Europe while everyone else was was Athens eating grapes at the play. And so they were fighting these series of relatively small wars to make sure they were getting a solid foothold everywhere. One of them was the the Franco-Austria, or the, uh, the, the, they fought a war with Austria. Not Franco, that's the wrong way to put it. And they won. And they won, frankly, easily. And they kept having these little spats where they're winning and they're winning easily. And they're starting to eye up France a little bit. And France, at this exact same time, is starting to eye up them a little bit. Now, what's going on in France at this point? This is Emperor Napoleon, but no, not that Napoleon. It's Napoleon III. And France has all kinds of internal strife still going on. That, that, that hand-wringing about, are we a leftist country? Are we, are we a monarchy? Should we be a republic? That, all that stuff was still going on in France. But France did not, look, did not like all the gains Germany was making because Bismarck was, I mean, he was so genius. This, this is the kind of thing Bismarck would do when it comes to being a politician and a leader. Remember I just said they fought a war, Prussia fought a war with Austria? They beat them, beat them easily, and many people in Prussia wanted to go ahead and march down to Vienna and let's just, let's take the capital and let's just take whatever we want in Austria. And they could have easily, and I can't stress this enough, easily. And Bismarck said, no, 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 no. Why? That creates bitterness. Well, that, that creates bitterness. It makes us look bad to the rest of Europe. Austria will hate us. We could win this war, which we have right now, pull out, get favorable terms, and end up being friends with Austria and show the rest of Europe how, how, how magnanimous we can be. Oh, it's, no, we're not the bad guys here. We're Prussia. We could have taken Vienna. We don't want to do that. The dude was always thinking 10 steps ahead like that. And they did it. And Austria ended up having such a close relationship with Germany. Remember when Hitler invaded Austria in World War II? Like 98% of the country just threw open the doors. They were like, oh, sweet. Welcome back. We love you. You're welcome home. Well, France does not like that. France has always had a bit of an uppity nature about them. It's not exactly news to anybody. And they certainly enjoyed being the big dog as far as the powers go on continental Europe. Obviously, Britain's always there. And this young upstart Prussia, they really seem to be unifying a lot of people. But they're fighting some wars to get that unification. And France starts to think to themselves, well, wait a minute. We could go to war with Prussia right now. I bet some of these countries Prussia has been clashing with, I bet you they'll be on our side. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, why would France start a war just for no reason? Uh, Understand this. And you really need to understand this because it still exists today, always has existed, always will exist. Wars are really a all-in proposition for leaders of a nation. If you lose one, yeah, it, it can be the end of you. Even if it's not the end of your life, it can certainly be the end of your power, the end of your country. It can set you back forever. I mean, they're all or nothing. However, nothing helps a ruler who's losing some popularity like going to war. Wars are, sadly, it's just human nature, wars are not an unpopular thing. Now, they get unpopular over time. But initially, when war is declared, when you go off to war, well, it's our team versus their team, right? It's, uh, it's uh, our veterans. Who, do you tell me you don't support the veterans? And I'll tell you, for, full disclosure, having, having been there. Well, hang on, I'll explain. see what's happening. I told you, I warned you. You can't say I didn't warn you. Uncertainty is going to rule the day for some time now. Okay. It's it's not ideal, but it's also not time to cry in our Cheerios about it. It's time to plan. Time to, to, to make sure you're ready. Having a gold IRA as part of your portfolio is not just a this year thing. That needs to happen for the rest of your life. You need to pass that kind of wisdom down to your children. A gold IRA has to be part of your portfolio. And Gold Alliance, they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They will walk you through getting that gold IRA step-by-step. They make it easy. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. Go get that gold IRA and get it today. That whole going off to war thing. I know you felt it before, whether you were going or whether you were cheering the people who were going. I mean, Iraq, Afghanistan, we're first sending people there. You were cheering. Singing, I'm proud to be an American. You were. Why do you think they do those military flyovers at football games? Creates a feeling of patriotism. And it bolsters the popularity of leadership. So the leader of France, Napoleon, he's not in a great spot. 
His health is going downhill quickly. And by the way, I'm not indicting the man. It's not like he was a bad leader. This is different, obviously a different guy, but his health is going. I think he had what was called a kidney stone or a bladder stone. It was one of the two. He had some kind of horribly painful internal thing going on. So he's getting weak. He decides he wants to go to war with Germany. Otto von Bismarck, you know, well, wants to go to war with Prussia. Whatever, it's the same thing. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep saying different words. Otto von Bismarck also wants to go to war with France. All right, so obviously they're going to get it on, right? France, Russia, let's do it. Not necessarily. You see, we like to imagine things ex- exist in a vacuum all the time. I mean, I'm guilty of it as much as anyone else. I try to offer a broader perspective on the things we talk about historically on the show. But even that isn't ever broad enough. There's just always things outside of the things outside of the things. You just, that onion, there are a lot of layers to peel. Okay, well, it would make sense. France wants to go to war with Germany. Germany wants to go to, go to war with, with France. They're going to go to war. No. They're worried about how it looks. You see, remember, Bismarck, He's very conscious about how it looks, how Prussia looks. He's trying to unify Germany in one German state, and and he wants all the other nations to continue trading with his upstart German state. And and you can't look like your Genghis Khan if you're Otto von Bismarck at this time. France, they're in pretty much the exact same situation for a slightly different reason. France wants to go to war with Germany, and even though France is a proud country and certainly not pathetic at this point in time, France is painfully aware of the fact they are not going to be able to take this Prussia one-on-one. These dudes are switched on. This is when Germany really starts to be the German, the super-efficient, great-equipment German army, and they're, they're switched on now. So France needs Germany to attack first so it can have allies, places like Italy, places like Austria, some of those German states who weren't unified with Prussia yet. France is under the flat-out assumption that if they get Germany to do something or get Prussia to do something stupid, well, these guys are going to jump in and fight with us. They end up actually squaring off. I'm not going to go into the details. It was just absolutely dirty, dirty thing that Otto von Bismarck did. Some ambassador said something negative to the king. Or Prussia had a king, too. Said something negative to the king. Bismarck finds out about it and essentially manipulates it and make it makes it look like what he said was so much worse than what he actually said. It was really, really filthy. I mean, look. The best lies have a lot of truth in them. And there was enough truth there that it couldn't really be denied. But uh, you look, how many fights have you been in with your spouse like that? That's not exactly what I said. What's what you meant? Uh, No, that's not. I didn't. What? No. (laughs) Either way, they kick off a war. And... Unsurprisingly, this is not a war that goes well for France. France, this is the Franco-Prussian War we're talking about, and it's in 1870. 
and France is just getting the living crap kicked out of them. You see, France, they were, like I said, internally had so many problems struggling with who they were, who they wanted to be, or should we be a monarchy, should we be a republic? We have to kick these royalists out. Oh, let's get rid of these dirtballs. I mean, there were Jacobins. There were all these different revolutionary groups. It was... It, look, we could do 10 shows on it. We'll do more shows on what's going on internally in France. But it's just know it's, it's not great at this time. Eventually, the German army, they get to Paris. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Paris is a city at this point of about 2 million people. Germany has dominated France. This is basically a foregone conclusion that Germany's going to win this war. They surround Paris. They put Paris under siege. But especially in the beginning, it's kind of a soft siege. And I say that because, remember, Bismarck's a savvy one. Yes, they're at war with France. No, France didn't have any allies. It's going well for Prussia. Bismarck is painfully aware that the world is still watching. The world is watching. And when the world is watching, you do not take one of the world's most glorious cities and put it to the torch. Yes, it's a siege. They're not letting in food and things like that. But we're also not actually trying to invade, and we're certainly not trying to kill the two million people who are in there because, whoa, hey, we're, we're the good guys here. We were just fighting back. You see how delicate things are getting in the world? And you see, not to go off on a huge sidetrack here, but I brought up Genghis Khan earlier. How much different is warfare now? at this point in time than it was back in Roman times, Genghis Khan's time. There was no, well, look, I mean, we just kind of want to come in. I don't want to be here. This is in, this is, look, it's not really on me. Look, let the women and children out first. No, no, there was none of that. None of that. The world has changed, though. The world's values have changed. It's why I have always offered as much of a defense of Japan's conduct in World War II as you possibly can. It's not that I'm excusing that kind of barbarism, but Japan was simply under an older mentality. Well, no. What are you talking about? Treaties and rules. Or treaties and rules. We're going to come kill every man. We're going to take advantage of every woman, and we're going to burn the whole city to the ground. And the whole modern world at the time when Japan was doing this was all, what in the, what? Who are these demons in the mean, meanwhile, history says that's how war's done. Japan would have looked around and told you, wait a minute, this is war. I don't understand. What's your problem? This, what, how'd you think this was going to go? But things are different now. You surround Paris, and again, you're not letting in food, but it's a softer siege. Two million people. And they say, at first... Daily life in Paris didn't really change at all, and there was virtually no panic. People weren't even scared. How about that for a soft siege? People were just getting up, going to work. Uh, has anyone seen are the Germans still there? Oh, they are. Nice. Anyway, probably grab an extra loaf of bread on the way home. We'll see how it goes. 
and they're struggling with how to organize themselves in Paris. Hang on. Flexibility. That's what you need in an auto protection company, really in so many companies. When I'm looking for a product, when I'm looking for a service, you can call me old-fashioned. I get nervous when I log in and see I have one option. And there are a lot of auto protection plan companies out there like that. Well, here's uh, here's the, here's our auto protection plan. What? What, what do you mean? One? My plan isn't the same as your plan. Your plan isn't the same as producer Chris's plan. We have different needs, different plans, different budgets. Car Shield offers me several different plans. On top of the plans, they offer me several different places to take my vehicle when something goes wrong, meaning I get to choose the mechanic. You can't find anyone else out there like that. Go to carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 10% off. A deductible may apply. At first, the Parisians are doing fine, and Paris had a weak mayor, a very, very weak mayor at this time, and the people themselves were starting to organize on their own to figure out the defenses. But Paris was well defended. This is still a time where there were walls and such. They were well defended, and Paris actually wanted Germany to attack because they really didn't have an army to defeat them, but they thought the defenses would help. Well, Germany's not stupid, so Germany's just going to sit outside of there. And confusion starts to reign in Paris, and the size of Paris, the, the amount of people in it, made the confusion so much worse. And here's what I mean. You're not getting food in. But you're also not getting news in. But people don't just sit around silently when there's nothing to talk about, do they? I do, but I'm one of the only people on the planet. If I don't have anything to say, I don't talk. Most people, it's human nature, are uncomfortable with silence. I prefer it. Most people are uncomfortable with it. Now, two million people in a city under siege... They're going to start discussing things. And the truth is most likely not going to be one of those things. I'm hearing this here. I'm hearing this there. I heard the Germans are invading in the northern part of town. I heard we're breaking out. I heard we're winning the war. I heard we're losing the war. So there's all kinds of confusion. But somebody comes up with a genius idea to start getting information out of Paris using a hot air balloon. 
hot air balloons are not used like that at this time. And it's a very, very inexact science to put it mildly. But they want to start putting things in these hot air balloons and sailing them over the German lines and hoping they land where they want to land. And it's actually working to get stuff out. Remember what I just got done saying? It was an inexact science. They can't seem to get anything back in, not with any accuracy at all. And it's so inaccurate, you can't put vital information in there because the chances on it missing Paris completely and landing in the Germans is pretty daggone strong. So it's now a one-way street, which granted is better than nothing, but it still does not markedly improve your situation that much unless you're an enterprising soul and you start thinking to yourself, well... Why don't we send carrier pigeons out with the hot air balloons? People will get our messages, put their replies on the carrier pigeons, and the carrier pigeons will respond and fly back in and give us the messages. And that worked. Isn't that freaking cool? Doesn't this carrier pigeon thing, Chris, I've always found this to be so fascinating, where they would tie, they would tie messages to birds in ancient times, and they would just go somewhere. And then they would fly back. How does that work? Yes, Chris. Yes. I understand it was a one-way trip where the bird was going home. I know the bird wasn't landing and dropping off a letter and then flying back, you idiot. I understand that. But don't you think that's fascinating to tie messages to birds? I think that's really, really cool. I think it's very cool. Anyway. The head of the national defense hops on one of these balloons because he's going to go escape and try to gather up some kind of an army because France is trying to desperately to recruit armies all over the country. He does it, hops on this balloon and actually lands in a town and escapes and goes and gathers like 500,000 men. Now, these 500,000 men, let's pause here for a moment. Remember, the Prussians are well-equipped, uniformed, food, uh, trained. These Frenchmen that are being recruited, they're basically none of those things. These are fresh recruits, no training, crappy equipment. So when you think, oh, wow, we got 500,000 men, he should turn around and go back to Paris and break the siege There's no way these guys could break the siege of Paris. So he starts attacking elsewhere with these guys, trying to, you know, get the Germans distracted from Paris. Only the army sucks so bad they're losing even when they're attacking other places. And now things are starting to get real dark in Paris. They're running out of food. And now life isn't going on as normal anymore. Now it starts, guess where it starts, isn't this wild? They ate the zoo animals at first. They raided the zoo animals. Apparently there were a couple elephants. I know there's some animal rights lovers out there going to love this part. Couple elephants, gone, eaten. Then they moved on from the elephants. I I don't know how it tasted, Chris. I bet it's good, though. We're not going to discuss that, though, on the show. Then they started eating the pets, cats, and the dogs. And 
When I was reading it, I, that was like a one-line one line thing. But I came back to it again and again and again. That would be heavy, right? Now, it's not Donner Party from last week heavy, but that would be heavy. Eating your dog. And soon the cats were gone. And the dogs were gone. And they started eating rats. And people started actually capturing and selling rats to eat. And this created, in a weird way, this created even more bitterness in the city of Paris. Created even more division between the rich and the poor, between the haves and the have-nots when people were starving. Because only the rich people could afford to buy the rats to eat. The rats were for the wealthy people. Paris is not, however, submitting just yet. Germany is basically, they basically completed their unification now into the Germany you know today. And they decide, okay, we have to bomb Paris. It's time to end this thing. We're, we're, we've had enough. It's, we have to bomb Paris. But they try to do it in a way, well, it's the most humane bombing of a city I've ever heard of in my entire life. I'll put it to you this way. During all their time bombing, I think they killed a grand total of 97 people in Paris. They would only bomb at night so people weren't out and about because they weren't trying to actually hurt anybody. Only they were firing, I mean, thousands and thousands of shells. So they would still get people on occasion, but they were trying two things. One, they were trying to bomb at night to avoid hurting people, and they were trying to bomb at night. When I say bomb, I'm, I'm talking about cannons. They were trying to bomb at night so the Paris people couldn't sleep. Should be noted I brought up the German unification You know where Germany signed that unification? Versailles. Versailles. Do you know how sacred Versailles is to France? Do you know the reason France made Germany sign the Treaty of Versailles in Versailles at the end of World War I? It was because of this right here. Germany signing their unification in Versailles was a tremendous affront to French pride. Tremendous affront. In the end, the people of Paris attempted a breakout. One final, one final attempt to try to make this thing go. Now, there are arguments whether or not they actually were trying to attempt to break out or just trying to look like they attempted a breakout. But it didn't work. Then it got interesting. Out. Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, 
Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. France knows their toast. Paris knows their toast. They go out to Bismarck and they simply ask him, hey, we can do a formal treaty later. But for now, can you just do like a pause? Can we have an armistice? We're starving. And clearly this government is not working. So we want you, if you wouldn't mind, we'll pay you a bunch of money. Will you let us have some food and let us have an election? And Bismarck, crafty devil that he is, says, sure, absolutely. Armistice granted. And in fact, we'll send you the food. Well, that actually has mixed effects within Paris. You see, when people are starving, when people are in dire situations, as we saw, again, back to the Donner Party thing, Some people will do these really great, selfless, brave things. And some people don't. Some people do terrible, selfish things. And there were accusations when all these French people were starving. There were accusations of food hoarding. You're hoarding food. And realize how bitter you would be if you thought people were hoarding food, because remember, the first people to die in these sieges, it's kids and it's old people because they're physically weakest. They can handle this the worst. You're watching your child die after you ate your dog and you think the guys up the road are hoarding food. You going to be bitter about that? You bet you will. Well, Communication isn't exactly the best back then, and food just starts showing up on people's shelves, and now people are angry. Well, Paris, they have to have this election. Bismarck agreed to pause everything. They have to hold this election. But they don't really – I mean, look, I've heard it argued a couple different ways. The word doesn't really get out to the people that they're going to have an election. Some people say they didn't really have the means. They didn't have the time. Some people say, well, it was just a coincidence. But the people don't really find out about how they're having an election. And we're at a point of basically unprecedented resentment with the common people of France towards rich people, royal people, the aristocracy. And they hold an election, and virtually everyone elected is one of these people of the upper class. And the people lose their freaking minds. 
and we end the Franco-Prussian War. Alsace and Lorraine, you've heard those two territories before. Yeah, those went ahead and changed hands again in this war. There's a reason France was so salty about that for quite some time. Understand this. A contested election. A bitter election. An election people feel is unjust. A strong, relatively unified nation can always get through one of those fine because when you come out the back end, yeah, maybe your guy didn't win, maybe it didn't go your way, but when you come out the back end of it, you are still unified by your culture. By your culture. Well, we still have, okay, I'm mad. I didn't go my way. I think that was probably shady, but I mean, okay, we're all still pushing the cart in the same direction here. We're all still marching towards the same things because we are a unified culture. A contested election, a bitter election, election with funny business or the appearance of funny business, whatever, however you want to look at it. It can wreck nations that don't have any unified culture anymore. That's why I've told you forever. Culture is the only thing that matters. And we don't have one culture in America now because the left has organized itself for decades in a concentrated campaign to destroy American culture so they can rebuild it. Leftists always do this. Every place leftism is is applied. They, they destroy history. They destroy culture so they can remake it. Well, now we are bitterly divided. Or we don't have one culture. And I am not trying to bring you down. I'm trying to tell you where we are. We are not going to come out of this election okay. I don't care if Biden wins or if Trump wins. It doesn't matter. We are already not going to come out of this okay. Because there's nothing to return to. Like that carrier pigeon returning home, cultures that are one culture will eventually be fine because they will return to that culture and push the same direction. When you're going at least two, if not three or four different directions as a nation, well, there's no place to meet up after this. There's no place to meet up. Hang on, I'll give you an update, tell you what I'm talking about here. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It can be easy to think that your problems now were created now. Our problem right now is not this election. People keep asking me, like I'll have relatives, they'll ask me, you know, wife even, how are you doing? Are you doing okay with all I'm, I'm fine. I know where we are as a nation. It's not a good thing. It's not in a good place. But all this election has done, and I told you this a couple weeks before the election, all this election has done is simply accelerate the direction we were already going. There's not a point we're going to return to because we don't believe in the same things anymore. And I'm not angry. I'm a little bummed about it, but I'm not angry. That's how it goes. That's how nations go. They rise and they go down. They split up sometimes. Sometimes they unify. Sometimes they don't unify. We're going to be fine, but we're not going to be like we've been. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Burna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. 
Visit Burna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.